You're not the boss of me now, and you're not so big. Welcome to Life is Unfair, the Malcolm in the Middle podcast, where we watch and talk about every episode of Malcolm in the Middle in chronological order. Today, we are talking about Experiment, which originally aired May 2nd, 2004, was directed by Brian Cranston and written by Alex Reed. Hi, I'm Jake, and I wish Reggie would kill David and take this podcast over. And every listen to this podcast plants a seed in the fire-ravaged Yellowstone. And I'm David. (laughs) That was almost my intro line. (laughs) (laughs) I literally had it written down and then last minute changed it. Uh, that is, uh, that's good. That's good. Because if you'd have stolen it, uh, then maybe there would have been a whole, you know, killing and taking over the podcast. But it wouldn't have been me. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you would be the Reggie. I don't even know what that means. (laughs) (laughs) Well, before we get into uh, this week's episode, we of course have our community segment, which starts with a big thank you to everyone who supports us over on Patreon, uh, which is how you can gain access to our secret podcast, Uncaged, and all of our other bonus content. And it helps us make all of the stuff that we make And we are Let's Play Death Ray there. Then we also have some poll results looking back on Malcolm Visits College, uh, which you actually successfully convinced me to change my answer for Least Shitty Kid that episode. I switched from Francis to Dewey. Which was the right choice. And the internet also agreed Dewey won with 83% of the vote, with a lone vote going to Francis. That makes sense. And despite those results, we also have a reply from Luke saying, Malcolm was far and away least shitty for me. He faced a lot of unfair challenges, and I believe he handled it the best he could for the amount of control he had in the situation and handled them better than any other one of the boys would have acted. Rest were blatantly shitty. I mean, he's right. The rest were blatantly shitty. But, uh, you know, nuance aside, like, Malcolm was Malcolm was pretty awful. I know it's, it's, it's hard to, you know, really see through all of his BS and, and really get to the heart of the matter, but... When you do, Malcolm's a terrible person. I just find it funny that Luke left that message, but apparently didn't vote for Malcolm. Right. <laughs> Malcolm <laughs> received no votes. <laughs> uh... Which uh, almost makes me think that Luke is, is just, you know, saying Malcolm is least shitty kid every time to counteract your, you know, thinking Malcolm is always shittiest. Mm. That makes That's sense. That's my conspiracy theory. I see. <laughs> it's a it's a good theory, you know. I'm not gonna lie. It's 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 a good theory of yours, uh, and it's it's plausible. So you know, who knows? That's what I aim for. <laughs> plausible. That's yes. That, that's your that's your line. <laughs> yep. <laughs> nice. Then uh, speaking of you know Malcolm being shittiest kid, of course that was your choice for uh, Malcolm visits college as well. Yeah. The only choice. Well, it's in, in point of fact, not the only choice, as I went with Reese uh, for his blatant misogyny throughout the episode. And the internet unanimously agreed with me on that one. 100% of the vote went to Reese. Okay. Okay. N- no, no Malcolm defectors for you this time. <laughs> yeah. Listen, we can't all see through... How do I want to put it? The, uh, 
the haze of of destruction left by uh, Reese to see the true <laughs> culprit behind it all, Malcolm. See, see, that's why it's okay for my lo- you know low bar to be plausible. Yeah, because <laughs> I've got you over here consistently falling under that bar. I see. Wait, no, I don't. I don't agree with this. <laughs> But uh, getting into this week's episode, first of all, I have a gripe with Hulu. Yeah? Yeah, because they have the, the, their episodes in the wrong order. That's what I was about to say, yeah. <laughs> Which, to be fair, I'm sure it's just, like, auto-sorted and, and, and like, probably fucked with it. Like, this and uh, Dewey's Special Class both aired on the same day. Right. But, uh, like, like, basically everywhere else I've looked... It's listed as experiment, then uh, Dewey's special glass. Okay. Except Hulu. Interesting. But getting into the actual episode itself, the cold open has Lois sitting at the kitchen table, uh, cutting out some coupons, and a some remote coupons. control. That's right. <laughs> a remote control car comes in and, like, hits her foot, getting her attention. And when she looks at it, there is a note taped to it. Asking how mad she would be if someone uh, broke her antique music box. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she yells yells out, what do you mean? Uh, does it even play music anymore? <laughs> and the remote control car like, shakes back and forth, it, it, like shaking a head no. <laughs> <laughs> and she yells out asking... Were you roughhousing in my room? <laughs> and the car, like, hops on hydraulics up and down, like, shaking a head yes. <laughs> then uh, she asks, are you gonna come out here and take your punishment? And it once again, like, shakes no. And then Lois, like, gets a look of realization on her face and says, Hal, is that you? <laughs> and the car just <laughs> speeds away. <laughs> then getting into the episode Proper, we, as usual, will start with the F-plot. And the F-plot starts uh, after a phone call between Francis and Dewey that's actually part of an other plot line. As, as Francis is hanging up the phone, he sees one of the other ranch hands carrying a piglet. And when Francis asks what he's doing, uh, the ranch hand explains that the... Piglet's mother uh, isn't nursing her because the the other piglets just won't let him feed. He's half the size of them. And Francis asks, so are you taking him home then? And the (laughs) ranch hand just laughs and sarcastically says, yeah, I'm taking him home. (laughs) And Francis, realizing what's about to happen, like rushes out to save this piglet, saying, you know, he, he can't kill him. And when when the ranch hand insists that it's the humane thing to do, Francis says, his name is Ralph. You can't kill him if he has a name. (laughs) Oh, that's my son's name. (laughs) Then uh, we see uh, Francis with Ralph at his and Piyama's house. And Francis is talking about how Ralph still can't, uh, you know, get through these other piglets in order to feed, and Piyama is complaining about it, saying that, you know, Francis said that the piglet would be gone days ago, but it's still living with them, and it's taking all of their time taking care of this piglet, to which Francis says, 
Look, no one said it was going to be easy taking care of a piglet, and Piyama retorts, no one said we'd be raising a piglet. <laughs> That's fair. And uh, Piyama tells Francis that she wants Ralph out of the house by tonight, or you're going to see him looking up at you from an omelet tomorrow morning. That's just cruel. Then we see Francis giving Ralph a pep talk as he, like, puts him down uh, on the bed and he tells Ralph to show him his mean face. <laughs> and then Ralph, like, looks off to the side very cutely and, like, freezes in place and Francis just kind of sighs. <laughs> <laughs> then we see Francis uh, trying to make Ralph look tough <laughs> as he has... Put a little, like, spiked leather collar on him, giving him an eye patch, and he has a tattoo on his side. <laughs> <laughs> and Francis, like, once again, like, peps him up and tells him to get in there and feed as he takes him off to where his mother and all of his uh, siblings are. And Ralph, like, runs in there. And at first, Francis is praising him, saying, yeah, Ralph, good job, get in there. <laughs> and then the sound of, like, squealing like streaming pig starts coming out of the pen as Francis starts telling him, no, Ralph, stop, stop, stop biting. Oh, God, not your mom, too. <laughs> <laughs> as presumably Ralph kills all the other pigs. <laughs> yeah. And then Ralph runs out the barn doors and Francis yells, no, not the chicken coop. <laughs> we hear the sound of chickens also being slaughtered. <laughs> And the ranch hand from earlier, like, comes in looking horrified and tells Francis you might want to start naming the cattle. So apparently <laughs> Ralph is headed for them next. <laughs> uh, Francis made him too bad. Clearly, that was the eye patch. Yeah. Yeah. Eye patch always turns you evil. You should know That's that. That's right. Yep. <laughs> and if you have eye patch and a soul patch, then yeah, it's over. Yeah, yeah, that's that's super villain territory right there. Exactly. <laughs> if you just have one regular villain, both super villain. That's so I've been told. <laughs> but then the F plot ends with Francis and Piyama laying in bed together, and Piyama is asking when they're gonna uh, stop having Ralph sleep in their bed, and Francis says you know, he he doesn't know. You know, uh, he may have a Tough exterior, but deep down, Ralph is still just a big softy, and the camera pans out to show a now, like, fully grown, just giant hog Ralph in their bed. As Francis says that Ralph will let them know when he's ready. <laughs> <laughs> I also like that we got that little, like, time skip, because clearly this is years later, given the size of those pigs. <laughs> right. This does make me think of all those people who think they're, like, buying teacup, like, piglets. Oh. <laughs> they're just regular piglets. Yeah. <laughs> so they just get stuck with, like, giant hogs as pets. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. From there, let's move on to the other sort of side plot. Fairly Dewey-centric. I'm trying to think, did you go with something specific from the episode, or did you go more broad? Because I can think of names for both. Yeah? Yeah. Interesting. I think you named this 
the FB plot for Freedom Bard. <laughs> so close, Jacob. Yeah. No, well, I named, why'd you name it? I named it after my opener. They're eco bars. Gotcha. <laughs> but you were on the right track for sure. Yeah. Yeah. There, there, there was also America bars in there that it could have been. Yep. Yeah. There were there were a ton of good names for this plot line to choose right? from. Right. You're not wrong. <laughs> but it starts with a kid selling some chocolate bars to Hal. And as the kid is, like, giving him his chocolate and leaving, he says to say hi to Dewey for him. And when Hal walks in with the chocolate bars and Lois asks, who was at the door, Hal explains that a kid from Dewey's class was selling chocolate. And as soon as he says that, uh, Dewey, like, looks nervous as Lois looks over at him. (laughs) (laughs) And she pulls his backpack open and... Pulls out a box of chocolates. And she says that her and Hal have missed every single school function that they should have been at this year. Dewey needs to sell these chocolate bars to make up for that. And as, you know, she's saying that and Dewey is saying that he doesn't want to go door to door. Hal, uh, like, picks up the catalog that has all of the prizes Dewey can get for selling these chocolate bars. And... Well, yeah. <laughs> That's what really matters, Jake. Clearly. And uh, Hal, like, looks through and he finds that they have moon shoes in there. <laughs> and he has a little fantasy of him wearing them as he's, like, wa- bouncing down the street. <laughs> and a, like, group of other dads, like, look at him very clearly jealous as he bounces past them waving. <laughs> Yeah, like, I I like to think, like, especially because of their attire, like, I feel like it's very specifically, like, those are people from his office. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because it it 100% has that, like, ha, who's the cool one now kind of vibe to it, yeah. (laughs) The, 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 like, attitude that, like, someone with a, like, super nice car brings to an, like, office. Yeah, yeah, straight up. Uh. But it's moon shoes. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love this spotlight so much. Uh, yeah, this this whole episode is great. This is one of what I was very excited for. This it is, it is a good episode. <laughs> so this is definitely going to be a contender for best episode for me for this season. Okay, fair. Then uh, snapping back to reality, Dewey tells Lois that if he gets abducted, uh, it's going to be her fault. And Lois just says, no, it's not. (laughs) 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 Then Dewey calls Francis, like, sitting outside, you know, uh, away from Lois's prying ears. (laughs) As he uh, is complaining about her to Francis, saying, you won't believe what Mom did. And, of course, Francis is all about hearing what horrible thing she's doing now. And... Dewey is, you know, brings up that they're supposed to be selling chocolate bars, and Francis says, oh, I always hated doing that. And then Dewey says, and Mom won't let me sell them. Oh. <laughs> and, of course, upon hearing that, Francis is indignant, saying, what? And uh, as Dewey, like, you know, continues on clearly using the Francis-Lois rivalry <laughs> against him. 
Francis says that he'll buy a dozen, and then Dewey says, yeah, mom even compared my selling chocolate to you getting married. And Francis <laughs> says, make it two dozen. <laughs> but don't tell mom. Uh, she'll just think I'm doing it to spite her. <laughs> Which, I mean, she'd be right. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> then uh, we get, like, a little check-in on how well Dewey is doing. As Lois is, you know, talking about how great he's doing. He's already sold 52 candy bars. Uh, puts him closer to the, I think it was 250 he needed for the moon shoes. Yeah. Uh, that that prompts Hal to once again imagine having these moon boots. This time he, like, saves a little girl's cat from a tree using them. And, like, poses heroically. Oh, no, it was, it was 275 is the first number, and then 1500 is the second one. It stuck in my head that it was a weird number. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> I think I just mentally rounded it down to 250. That's fair. <laughs> then... Lois is also, uh, after, like, that little fantasy sequence, Lois is also very excited about how well Dewey's doing, because it means they'll also get to blow off security day. <laughs> or a safety day. Safety day, there you go, yeah. yeah. <laughs> then we see why Dewey is doing so well, as we see one of his sales. <laughs> as he uh, knocks on a guy's door, and when the guy sees that he's selling candy, he says, Ah, oh, sorry, uh, you know, I, I don't eat candy bars. And Dewey says, well, these aren't candy bars. These are America bars. Don't you love America? Look, <laughs> that's just historically accurate representation of sales in America. You're I, not wrong. <laughs> this, this is just World War II propaganda being utilized for literally the same purpose. Eh, no, this is, this is 2004 propaganda, David. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, it's... It's the same. It's literally the same argument. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> yeah. But uh, then, uh, as, like, the guy's interest is peaked, Dewey says he actually prefers the name Freedom Bars. <laughs> <laughs> and this is 2004, too, so, like, dude, like, this is right around... Oh, anyways, we'll talk about it later. Yeah, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll talk about it with an award later, for sure. <laughs> yeah, we will. <laughs> And uh, Dewey, like, vaguely says that, you know, there's some people out there that uh, don't love America and freedom and don't support it. And the guy says, so do uh, sales uh, for, for these uh, freedom bars go to fighting terrorism? And Dewey says, with every delicious nougaty bite. <laughs> <laughs> and, the uh, guy buys some candy bars from him, and when Dewey says thank you, he says, no, thank you. <laughs> uh, Dewey has a future, man. Then we see another sale as Dewey knocks on an like, older lady's door and is holding Jamie. And he tells this lady that Jamie's mom is only 13 years old. And that the, the proceeds from these candy bars are going to go to helping young unwed mothers like her with school supplies and hot lunches. Uh, and of course this lady eats it up and goes off to get her purse. Dude, you gotta you gotta give props to Dewey for doing his market research because this is 
insanely well targeted. I love it. I mean, with everything we learned, I feel this is less market research, more stalking. I Jake. feel like there was some right laid through trash. Jake, have you not heard of Facebook? Stalking is market research. No. When you do it to, like, millions of people at one time, it's market research. When you do it to one person, it's stalking. Oh, I see. <laughs> Just ask Mark Zuckerberg. I think he'd agree. I think he's legally obligated to. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, then, at the house, we find out that Dewey has sold over 1,500 candy bars. As uh, Lois says this, and of course, Hal, when he hears this, like, perks up and says 1,500 and pulls out the catalog saying, page 27! <laughs> <laughs> he, like, flips through it to a go-kart. <laughs> and, of course, this prompts another uh, fantasy from him as he... Is like in the go kart with like a scarf wrapped around his neck as he throws the moon boots behind him, you know, throwing them away. <laughs> and he drives off, speeding past the guys from earlier who looked jealous when he had the moon boots, who are now wearing the moon boots, but look jealous as he drives past in his go kart. That's right. <laughs> now they're not able to keep up with the Joneses. And uh, coming out of his fantasy, Hal just like. Pats Dewey on the shoulder and says, Your dad'll leave him in his dust. <laughs> Which Dewey looks very confused by. I like to think that this is a constant with Hal, where he's just constantly like daydreaming like that and then speaking out loud. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, we, we've we've seen him do it so much. This is definitely not a surprising behavior from the boy's perspective. <laughs> right. Then two women knock at the, knock on the front door, and when Lois answers, they ask if the little boy selling eco bars is here because they want to buy more. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Dewey comes over and like tries to get rid of them, saying, uh, "Oh, sorry, we're out of candy." But Lois, you know, now on to him, uh, lets them continue as. So they explain that they really like that uh, 10% of the proceeds go to planting seedlings and fire-ravaged Yellowstone. <laughs> then uh, one of the women says, yeah, and I also like that uh, some of the proceeds go to pro-life causes. <laughs> and the woman next to her says, wait, he told me 10% of the proceeds went to pro-choice causes. <laughs> and then, like the first woman says... Oh, I didn't think you believed in that. And the other woman uh, re repeats it back saying, I didn't think you thought like that. Yeah. <laughs> then uh, Lois, like, apologizes to them, uh, saying she has to tell someone what she thinks real quick. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she, you know, closes the door. And uh, when Hal comes in, as she's explaining what has happened... Hal says that uh, to punish them, Dewey will have to think about that anytime he sees Hal driving by in his prize. <laughs> and uh, Lois, of, of course, says he's not getting a prize. He lied to all these people, and she uh, 
tells Dewey how wrong it is to lie like that, that it destroys your character. And when she asks what he has to say for himself, Dewey says, Francis told me to do it. (laughs) 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 Which we then, uh, like, wrap this plot line up with a phone call between Lois and Francis, (laughs) in which Lois is yelling at Francis, saying she can't believe Francis told him to lie like that. Well, you know, Francis, assuming that she's, you know, talking about... Dewey, like, lying about him buying the candy bars. Because he still thinks Dewey was, you know, telling her that he couldn't do it. (laughs) Is arguing back, saying that she's the reason none of them believe in themselves. And they think everything that they do is stupid. (laughs) And of course, as he hangs up on her from that phone conversation, that's when it pans out to reveal that he has Ralph dressed up in his tough outfit. (laughs) That's right. And that just leaves the titular experiment based plotline, which I think you have named the B plot for Blello. <laughs> uh, no, Jake. Yeah? Yes. Does the E plot for enzymes. Should have gone with B for Blello, David. Yeah? People love Blello. Look, I have heard that people enjoy the Blello. It is another one of the frequently memed moments from the show. That's fair. But uh, it starts with Malcolm and Stevie in Malcolm's room working on a project, which they are, uh, they have like a bunch of test tubes set up, and they they, like start arguing as they're uh, failing to figure it out, and uh, Stevie calls Malcolm an idiot. (laughs) And uh, we, we get the reveal that they have been working on this experiment for two weeks and they just can't get it to work. And that, that's also where they explain that they are trying to create a new kind of restriction enzyme for a national competition, which they explain as Reese comes in and asks them when he's getting his room back. Yeah, he can't practice his uh, sexy face in front of Lois. That's right. <laughs> <sighs> And Malcolm and Stevie explain how important this is to them because it's for a national competition, and if they win, then they'll be able to get into pretty much any college that they want. And, uh, (laughs) Stevie, when Malcolm says this, just, like, stares off into the middle distance and says, Then I'll all pay. (laughs) Oh, Stevie. (laughs) I love it. <laughs> right. Then <laughs> Reese asks if there's anything he can do to help. And Malcolm, like, initially dismisses him, saying if they need someone to get their head stuck in the waist back, if they'll call him. But Reese asks, why do you always do that? Whenever I ask to help with things, you just turn it around and treat me like I'm stupid. Uh, Malcolm and Stevie, like, look at each other and decide there is something he can do to help. Which we then see what that is, as they are drawing his blood. (laughs) So they have taken two liters of his blood. Yeah. uh, Reese is sitting on the the bed saying, this is so much fun, I think I'm going to (laughs) faint. Yep, it's definitely the fun that's making you faint, Reese. Clearly, what else would it be? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. The blood loss, Jacob? Ah, you got tons of blood in you. It's fine. Not... I hate you. (laughs) 
We're full of the stuff. Also, that's such a restatement to make. <laughs> then we see Stevie and Malcolm once again, uh, like, waiting on a process to, to, like, finish on a test tube, and they're disappointed as they pull it out, and uh, the enzyme hasn't separated, which is what they're trying to do. Uh, they, like, run through the, the possible variables, you know, talking about, uh, like, have we tried every temperature and pressure variable, and Malcolm says yes, and then he asks, how much blood do they have left to work with? And Stevie says, plenty. He took some from Reese while he was sleepy. <laughs> and Malcolm, like, shows some concern for Reese at that point. Say, no, why did you do that? And Stevie says, he wanted to help. <laughs> But Malcolm says, yeah, it's fine. He's uh, distracted Reese by giving him uh, some food coloring and telling him that they're chemicals. And at that point, Reese runs in very excited because he's had a scientific breakthrough. If you mix blue and yellow together, you get a new color. And he holds it up and declares that he's going to name it Blello. <laughs> That's right. It's new. You've never seen it before. It's the best color. Absolutely. Then we once again see Malcolm and Stevie as they're failing on their experiment. And yeah, as yet another attempt has failed, Stevie very dejectedly says, Hello, trade school. And uh, that's where my opening line comes from, is Reese is sitting in the room, like, laying on his bed, reading some Archie comics, and he says that he wishes Reggie would kill Archie and take over. <laughs> yeah, then it would just be a better comic. Re Reggie is, like, Archie's, like, bully and, like, the main antagonist of Archie comics. Yeah, I, by the way. I figured as much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then Lois comes in and tells Malcolm to watch Jamie for a bit. And when Malcolm, like, attempts to get out of it, saying they're working on this important experiment, she just asks, are you new here? And then she turns to Stevie and says, uh, can you explain to your friend how things work around here? <laughs> 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 then we see Stevie and Malcolm, like, watching Jamie as he's in uh, a, a jumper. And... Jamie is, like, jumping up and down, and Malcolm asks, anything? And Stevie says no. <laughs> so they have put one of the uh, test tubes, like, in the jumper with Jamie and have him jumping. <laughs> oh, they got a bunch of them strapped on there. Yeah. They're, like, all strapped across the front. Yeah, it's it's uh, pretty funny, actually. And uh, Malcolm says, okay, have him jump higher. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, when they come back into the room after watching Jamie, they find that in one of the vials, the enzyme has separated. And they start cheering, saying, we did it, we did it. Then Malcolm asks Stevie, what did you do to it? And Stevie says, I didn't do anything. And <laughs> Malcolm says, wait, I didn't do anything to it either. And... They uh, pull it out and, like, look closer, and Malcolm holds it up to Stevie's face to, like, you know, get a close look, and he just says, Lello. <laughs> There's, like, a small amount of, like, green floating in the bottom of the vial. Ah, <laughs> uh, pardon me, Jake. Excuse me. Lello. You're right. Thank You're you. right. Yeah. <laughs> what even is green? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No one's heard of that. Then 
They start trying to figure out how to recreate the experiment by asking Reese what he did. But Reese, assuming that they're, like, yelling at him that he did something wrong, is refusing to answer at first, <laughs> saying, I didn't do anything. <laughs> but uh, when Malcolm finally says, no, Reese, you did something good, <laughs> uh, like, somewhat changes this to is he then starts... Uh, initially, he says that he doesn't remember what he did, and he was thinking about so many other things, and also, uh, why would I tell you what I did if you're not gonna give me credit? <laughs> you know what? Fair point. Malcolm and Stevie tell Reese you don't want to mess with us. You've messed with the wrong guys. And Stevie says, yeah, let's tattle. <laughs> Cuts to them tattling to Lois as Malcolm is explaining that, you know, uh, Reese, you solved this important experiment and that he won't tell them what he did and he wants Lois to make Reese tell. But Lois sides with Reese, saying if Reese fixed their experiment, he should get credit. Then. Uh, we go back to the room where Malcolm and Stevie are, are once again trying to recreate the experiment uh, without Reese's help, and it's a failure. So, like, looking dejected, they tell Reese, Okay, fine, we can't figure out what you did, so we'll give you credit. You just have to tell us what you did. And Reese pulls a, uh, like, piece of notebook paper out of his pocket and says they just have to sign this agreement first. <laughs> and the agreement uh, gives Reese credit, saying that they never could have solved the experiment without him, and that he's a equal partner in the experiment who's just as smart as they are. <laughs> Look, Malcolm, known Welcher. I don't blame him. Fair. And uh, they both sign it, like, reluctantly, and they give it to him, and they say, okay... Now, what did you do? And Reese says, Oh, I don't remember. But next time you call me stupid, I have a side note saying I'm just as smart as you. <laughs> Finally, there's some justice in the world. And as soon as he says that, both Malcolm and Stevie just punch him in the face. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so rude. Then when we come back to this plot line, Stevie has, like, Reese on the ground with his throat against the door frame with, like, his wheelchair wheel backed up to Reese's neck, like, choking <laughs> him with it. <laughs> and Malcolm says, okay, he's had enough, and Stevie, like, gives it, like, one jerk back, <laughs> and, then, and then, like, rolls forward to free Reese. <laughs> And Reese gets up, like, rub rubbing his neck and throat, and Malcolm, like, pleads with him, saying, you know, this is really important. It could, like, lead to medical breakthroughs. Please just try to remember what you did. And when he still insists that he can't remember, Stevie tells him to recreate it. And they have him imagine what he was doing when they left the room, and go through everything until they can figure out what he did that uh, caused this experiment to work. And Reese starts going through the paces of everything that he did, uh, starting with he walked over to the test tubes and opened one uh, because he was wondering what enzyme tastes like. <laughs> <laughs> uh. 
Well, before he could drink it, he got bored, so he put it back. <laughs> and then he found something shiny on the ground, and he put that in his shiny box, which is like a shoebox covered in tinfoil. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. It's very shiny. It is shiny. Then he walks over to the closet and grabs one of Malcolm's shirts and puts it in his pants and, like, flosses his ass and balls with it, which Malcolm looks horrified by. Eh, fair. Then as he puts that back, he says, and then I played with Dewey's Game Boy as he pulls a hammer out. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't specify how he played with it. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, he didn't. There's a clear implication. He could have smashed it with a hammer. He could have been hammering something while playing with the Game Boy. You never know. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Sure. Look, he's a working man. You never know. Maybe he grabbed the hammer for work and the Game Boy for fun. But <laughs> uh, we, we then, like, cut away, and when we cut back, uh, we are still following Reese as he's walking them through his, uh, you know, everything that he did. And uh, he is then, like, walking over to his bed... Uh, to update his enemy list, but then he remembered that he had math homework, so he pulls out his math textbook, and he just, like, points at various problems, saying, didn't get it, didn't get it, didn't get it, then he starts slapping himself on the forehead, saying, stupid, 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 then he walks into the bathroom and looks into the mirror, like, continuing to hit his head, saying stupid a couple times, then he starts pointing at the mirror, saying, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. Then he, like, sits down on the bathtub with his uh, head in his hands like he's about to cry. And then, like, remembering that Malcolm <laughs> and Stevie are watching him, he looks over at him and goes, And then I started working out! <laughs> As he starts, like, like pushing him, himself, like, up and down on the bathtub. Like, that's why he was sitting on it. <laughs> and uh, Malcolm, like, tries to reassure him a little, saying, Hey, everyone hates math. And uh, as Reese, like, walks back out, Malcolm says, sorry, and Reese says, it's okay. Then he, like, lays out on the bed, and they ask him, what, what did you do after that? And Reese says, nothing, I just started playing with the ball. And he starts, like, throwing a ball at the wall, like, bouncing off the wall and ceiling and catching it. And Malcolm starts to, like, give up, saying, all right, we're not going to be able to figure out what you did. But Stevie prompts Reese to continue throwing the ball. And... Uh, after he does it a few times, the enzyme starts to separate as some powder from the roof is uh, falling into the vial. <laughs> and Malcolm puts the pieces together, saying there must be asbestos in the ceiling. It's a, you know, highly uh, mutagenic. That must be what caused it to separate. And he starts telling Reese, you know, he did a great job remembering this. And they start cheering, there's asbestos in the house, there's asbestos in the house. <laughs> and, like, it slowly dawns on Malcolm <laughs> what that means is, is there's asbestos in the house, like, slowly loses enthusiasm. <laughs> and Reese just looks at him and says, what? <laughs> and the episode wraps up with the house tented off as people in hazmat suits are going in and out. <laughs> and... Malcolm turns to camera and explains that they're living out of the garage while all the asbestos is removed from the house. But they uh, won their co their competition, and then he explains that the uh, company that sponsors the competition gets to keep the, the patent for anything that wins. And 
Uh, they're making a new cholesterol medicine with their fine unit that's going to make them billions. And what did they get? A pencil case with a little compass on it. <laughs> <laughs> Then, like, as he walks over to the garage where Lois is making them scrambled eggs with a drill with a whisk on it, Reese is, like, wearing his pencil case uh, in his uh, shirt pocket, like, very proudly asking, does anyone need a pencil? And Lois says, for the third time, Reese, we don't need a pencil. And Reese says, well, if you do need one, you know where to look. <laughs> And that wraps this episode up, so let's go to our award. Yeah. Bum, bum, bum. yeah. Awards. And as usual, we will start with our roller skating keen award, our award for the best visual moment. What did you have for this one, David? So I had to go with uh, Hal's daydream, uh, specifically the... Uh, one where he's like pseudo superhero uh, and saves the cat uh, with the moon shoes because it is hilarious. And I love Hal's just like, man, if I had that ability to jump slightly higher, I would be phenomenal. <laughs> it's, just, it's incredibly funny to me. That's fair. All, all of his fantasy sequences were fantastic, but I actually didn't go with any of them. For my roller skating keen award, I went with Stevie choking Reese out with his <laughs> wheel. <laughs> yeah, that's <was> my backup. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> as, uh, as I've said many times, I love when Stevie gets to be an asshole. <laughs> Stevie's so great, and it's this is perfect. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> And what did you go with for your Hot Dog with Mustard Award? Your award for the best line. <laughs> I love Stevie looking off into the distance and saying, Then everyone will pay. <laughs> it's just, it's so like, it's menacing, but also not at the same time. Right. And I love it. That is one of them I had considered. Uh, but I went with a different Stevie line. I went with outwitted by a dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> and moving on to our next award, which of these plot lines did you choose as the A plot of your heart? I actually, like, I love them all, but I ended up having to go with uh, the uh, Dewey plot line, mostly just because of, like, how much like a used car salesman and like the the propaganda -y, like method that he used for selling the idea of like a 10 year old you know or or a kid right around in there doing that is hilarious to me fair so, yeah yeah no, that was very good but i went with the main plot line is the a plot of my heart for this one okay well i I love all the Stevie stuff in the episode. I love Reese in this episode. Like, you're just... Every second of this plot line is just fantastic, in my opinion. Yeah, it is a very good, uh, very, very good uh, plot line. So, can't fault you for picking it. And who did you choose as your favorite character? So, I, I had to 
go with Stevie. Like, between the outwitted by a dumbass and the pinning Reese uh, against the, the wall with the wheel, I, it's so funny. And, uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, 100% same. It's gotta be Stevie for this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And who did you give your Cloris Leachman Award, your award for the best acting? Uh, I went with Brian Cranston. I think he's amazing. And again, like I said, I love the daydream sequences. And you get to see sort of that really goofy, fun, well-applied Brian Cranston physical comedy in this. It's just so good. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. Very good. He is one that I'd considered, but I ended up giving it to Justin Burfield for this episode. That's also a good choice. I think he does a very good job anytime they, like, have him, like, get more into Reese's, like, depression and low self-esteem stuff. Right. And this is, like, one of the rare instances where, where we both, like, get some of that done really well and also get a lot of, like, just typical, like, idiot Reese. Right. And I think both were just super well done in this episode, so I gave it to him. That's fair. Then, what did you give your OK Boomer Award? Your award for the moment or detail that sets the episode firmly within its time of release. Um, so, admittedly, this is not going to be one that everyone can, like, relate to. Because I think, realistically, my OK Boomer Award is more for, like, uh, based off of my personal experience... But uh, I gave it to the RC truck in the uh, opening because about this time, 2003, 2004, is when, like, everyone I knew got, like, super into RC. And, like, it started becoming a thing that you started seeing everywhere. And uh, so seeing that RC truck, especially having it be, like, this, like, super souped up little truck with the suspension and everything reminded me very much so of an RC truck that actually uh, your dad and my dad uh, built together and uh, that ran around for fucking forever and had like a working winch on it and stuff that. And then like just remembering all of like everyone in our neighborhood getting obsessed with RC. Like I know it's been around way before this, but I don't know. Two, 2004 for me was like the year where everyone got an RC car for their birthday. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I went with the Freedom Bars. <laughs> which is a, a pretty like direct reference to the Freedom Fries, Freedom Toast stuff that was going on at the time that started in 2003. Yo, because you can't call them French Fries, Jake. Yeah, because... Because France isn't supporting us on the war on terror. That's right. Uh, yeah, that's that's where, like, all that stuff came from. Yep. Yeah. Oh, trust me. I have lots of friends in that whole demographic, so I get it. <laughs> I, I don't think I ever, like, personally witnessed anyone referring to them unironically as, like, oh. Freedom Fries or, like, saw any restaurants calling them Freedom Fries, but I was aware that it was a thing going on. I did. There were plenty of restaurants where there were Freedom Fries. My favorite one was Freedom Nuggets, though, because I don't understand <laughs> right. why we're changing the name of Chicken Nuggets. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the same It's the same principle as what Dewey's doing here with the Freedom Bars, where, like, yeah. 
the, the even like the stupid point that originally created this just gets lost and they just start like throwing the word on random things yeah <laughs> uh what a time what a time <laughs> yeah i always think of that and then uh there for a long time like it was the big thing with that crowd to call like bullets freedom seeds which uh boy does that have some implications but uh i i still remember very much so when you would see like signs for that kind of shit like in our town yeah 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 the, that kind of thing <laughs> i remember yeah yeah it's for like, sure wow <laughs> yeah and now we, we look back on the war in Iraq and go, that was a justified war. That wasn't a mistake at all. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I give it another five years and it'll be what war? It's <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> depressingly likely. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't you hate it when I'm right about stuff? Yes. <laughs> I am your own personal Reese. <laughs> uh. <laughs> but uh, with that, let's move on to our Mrs. Dabney Award, our award for the shittiest parent. Now, who did you think was the shittiest parent this week, David? I mean, is there any other choice? Like, uh, I don't know. Who did you go with, David? It has to be Lois. Okay. No, I'm kidding. I gave it to Hal, but oh, I was gonna. Okay, okay. <laughs> I, I was gonna like mess with you and uh, pick Lois for this, just because I felt like arguing with you a little bit. But uh, no, I mean, let's be honest. There's there's no one but Hal for this, for sure. Yeah, Hal's uh, like, no, you're doing it. Why? Because I want those boots. Yes. Uh. <laughs> And also just like that, like, because Lois is also like kind of shitty in her motivation for having Dewey do this. You know, she's clearly like doing it so that they can get out of doing stuff. Right. But like Lois, in addition to that, also like does good parent stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like all Hal does in this episode is fantasize about this prize Dewey is going to win for him. Yeah. <laughs> Then, moving on to our shittiest and least shitty kid award. Who did you choose as your shittiest kid? Um, well, shittiest kid was Malcolm. Of course. But well, why is it Malcolm this week? Why is it not Malcolm? But also, Malcolm is absolutely, completely, and, and utterly incapable of recognizing Reese for doing good things. He flips out on Lois, uh, which again, as I have stated many times, I do not agree with his treatment of Lois and his interaction with his mother and the blatant disrespect that he has for Lois is absolutely asinine. Also, his uh, argument with Stevie and the way that he treats Stevie, a guest in his home, absolutely absurd. While yes, Stevie's not perfect, I don't know. I was raised where if they were the guests, you couldn't be mean to them, and that's where you got away with a lot of shit because I couldn't punch you in the face. And then also, yeah, he physically assaults Reese, you know, so. That is fair. I, I'm not going to make the argument that Malcolm isn't shitty in this episode, but he wasn't my shittiest kid. My shittiest kid was Dewey. Uh, see, I knew you were going to make that argument, and I, 
I get it. I do. But Dewey is simply learning a life skill and developing a future career for himself. As a con man? A con man, a car salesman, a military recruiter. I mean, Same, exactly. the possibility. Yeah, the possibility is endless. Why you say con man endless. three times in a row, <laughs> The possibilities are endless, Jacob. In addition to the lying and the spreading of wartime propaganda, he also then manipulates both Francis and Lois, turning them against each other and. And an already damaged, frayed relationship that he's only making worse. I mean, is he though? Yes. <laughs> There's not really any repairing that. I mean, come on now. Wow. What? They make progress sometimes. Don't boo me, I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> and who did you have as your least shitty kid, David? Uh, Francis. Interesting. Well, why'd you go with Francis? Because he saved the pig. Well, he saved a pig. Yeah. At the cost and he of gave it, other pigs. I mean, listen, you're not, res- you can't hold the parents responsible completely for their children. Now, does he have a lot to learn about parenting a pig? Yes. But he took it in out of the kindness of his heart and he taught it, tried to teach it self-esteem. Unfortunately, his, like most parents, his teaching methods were flawed. Uh, and the child didn't learn the lesson properly and decided to make some poor decisions. But that's not entirely Francis's fault. There's a reason we don't put parents in prison for when their kids do stupid shit. Uh, I guess. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, I had a very hard time evaluating Francis. I, I was actually considering him for shittiest kid. Wow. <laughs> well, because see, he, here's that. I, I agree with you. Clearly, he has good motives. Yeah. In this episode, and he does do a good thing in saving Raph. But his actions do have the consequence of slaughtering a bunch of animals. Allegedly, even it happens off screen. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hate you. I chose Reese. <laughs> I don't know why you hate me. <laughs> you know why. Listen, Jake. I established a long time ago, if we don't see it happen, did it really happen? <laughs> well, that, I, I chose Reese. <laughs> he, he helped Stevie and Malcolm, you know, so, solve this thing. Uh, you know, this big problem that, that they were working on. And yeah, it, it was kind of shitty that, you know, he got them to sign that letter without remembering what he did. But in the end, he did, re- like, like... Help them figure it out. And he invented something new. He invented Blello. I mean, come on now. But he did. Also, that's uh, gonna forever be in my head now. I'm gonna hear that song and instead of like, you know, they were all yellow. I'm gonna hear they were all Blello and like, let's <laughs> just, yellow is forever Blello for me now. That's crazy talk. Blello is a completely different color, Dave. I know. It's a mixture of yellow and blue. Exactly. No one's ever thought of that before. Exactly. <laughs> Reese, look, Reese displays that, you know, he's just as much a genius as Malcolm in this episode. I mean, <laughs> I really want to agree with you, but I know you're wrong. Also, if I'd have made that argument, you'd have been calling me insane. Uh, 100%, David. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> e- 
e- even not, uh, you know, going with the Blello bit, I-, I do think Reese is least shitty kid in this episode. Pretty much everything he does results in good things, even if it is basically all unintentional. Except for, for poor Dewey's Game Boy and that's Malcolm's fair. shirt. That's fair. That's fair. I, I did count those against <laughs> him, but, it, but for Reese, those are both such minor things, especially the shirt thing. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Because if someone else did that, that'd be pretty shitty. But as far as Reese goes, that's that's no small time. <laughs> wow. But that wraps up our awards, but we have a couple segments left, starting with the Cranston Connection, uh, which was my job this time around. And I have concluded that uh, this episode sets Hal on a path that he will follow along, uh, getting more and more obsessed with it as he becomes more and more obsessed with accounting. It's a dark path. (laughs) It is. (laughs) As we see him, like, obsessing over, you know, keeping track of how many sales Dewey has made and, you know, what he can get with those sales, that will... Uh, like, set him on a path, you know, here it's, you know, fairly minor, fairly basic, but he'll get more obsessed with doing that, uh, eventually leading to him actually becoming an accountant, uh, who will eventually go by the name of Jerry, as he eventually uses those accounting and math skills to realize when he's, you know, sees an advertisement that there's a flaw in his state's lottery system, And that if you buy enough and very, like, take a different number because of the way that it's set up, you will uh, statistically almost certainly make more money than you spend, essentially turning the lottery uh, from, you know, a a form of, like, very uh, unlikely to win gambling, uh, sort of on its head and giving him odds of almost certainly winning, which he would then, like, Briefly, for a couple years before the lottery figured out what he was doing, (laughs) uh, (laughs) make a career both for himself and, like, a bunch of people that he knew just investing and consistently winning massive amounts of money from the state lottery. From multiple states. Uh, Which is the plot of a movie I haven't seen, (laughs) but is Jerry and Marge go large. Right? I, uh, I really want to see that movie. Seeing Brian Cranston as like an old person who gives no shits, who's like out breaking the law, just I'm sounds not breaking the phenomenal. Law. Everything they did was legal. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it, they go on like a spree of like running from the cops and stuff at the end, is what I've been told. Oh, I, I don't know. I, I don't actually know the movie. I just know the like story it's based on. Right. Which I don't think that happened in like the real story. I think the IRS like looked into them and were like assuming that what they were doing was illegal, but they ended up, like, being, like, completely exonerated. <laughs> it was a thing of, like, right. no, all of these state lotteries just, like, didn't consider that someone might just invest hundreds of thousands of dollars to do this. Right. <laughs> they, they, like, didn't do the math to figure out that, like, <laughs> if you do that, statistically, you're almost guaranteed to make a profit. <laughs> that is pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, which I approve of, because fuck lotteries. <laughs> I mean, yeah, fair. <laughs> the lottery is rigged anyways. I, I mean, yes. Just by, like, its very nature. Unless I know. they fuck up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, 
then uh, what did you have for WTF is COG, which is where we try to determine what Hal's company does and what their acronym of COG stands for. Okay, so COG is simply Center of Gravity. This is a RC company, and they actually are testing the perfect balance uh, and placement of motors in model airplanes, RC model airplanes, in order for it to have the perfect COG, or uh, center of gravity. This company is, of course, a front for the CIA, however, still. And what they don't know is that the CIA is upscaling this information and these tests that they're doing and putting it into new government planes. But yes, that is what Hal does. His company is making improvements to model airplanes for the perfect center of gravity uh, placement for the motors. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I, I like the uh, tie into the CIA stuff. Well done. Thanks. Then yeah. <laughs> uh, moving on to our last segment, we have David's guessing game, which you did a uh, okay. This uh, another sort of mixed bag. Uh, you, you were fairly correct uh, in that uh, Malcolm was working on an experiment. Uh, you said for a either a class or a science fair, which this is like. Similar to a science fair, but it is obviously, like, a bigger thing. Right. Uh, so I gave you partial credit for that. Then you thought that something would go horribly wrong with the experiment, either because Malcolm didn't want to be doing it, so he would intentionally sabotage himself, or that he would be uh, done in by, like, his own ego and hubris, uh, which... Isn't what happened here. The, the experiment was going wrong, but not, like, catastrophically, and not because of either of those reasons. Then you also uh, thought that this uh, experiment would cause massive problems. You thought that it would result in either Malcolm, like, failing a class or the school having to be evacuated. Uh, which I did give you some credit there, because... They ended up having an evacuation from their house, completely <laughs> <Right>? unrelated. <laughs> but you did stumble, like, into sort of a right thing there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, sometimes you throw darts and occasionally you hit a bullseye. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but with that combination of, of, like, partially correct stuff and blatantly incorrect stuff, I gave you a 73%. All right, that's fair. It's not not failing, but uh, close. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. Look, my teacher's out to get me anyways. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> <laughs> and what do you think happens next week in Dewey's special class? Dewey's special class. So I think, okay, I can see this going one of two ways. Either, well, we are getting kind of like evil Dewey vibes this season so far we sure are because like i could 100 percent see dewey like almost becoming a krellboin you know and then like malcolm trying to like help him not be one but i could also see like dewey not i think dewey's gonna be put in like like a spec ed class though actually and i think it's gonna be because either he's like avoiding doing work i i see dewey doing what you did um in like middle school and just being like wait 
I don't have to do homework. No one cares about middle school. Fuck it, I'm good. <laughs> or like, you know what I mean? Something like that. Or, or like taking an aptitude test and like purposely bombing it because he thinks that it'll mean that he doesn't have to go take the job or something. And instead, they're like, oh, he needs to be put in special educational classes so he can catch up. Anything else you'd like to add? No, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna double down on that. I think, I think he's gonna end up in like a spec ed class, and and as much as I would love to see like this dynamic of like Malcolm trying to quote unquote air quote save Reese or not Reese, but uh save Dewey from being a Krellboyne, um, I think it's much more likely that they're gonna, especially because it's 2004 and they use the term Dewey's special class. Uh, it's 2004. Yeah. Fair. That's that only meant one thing then. They only used special in 2004 because people told them they had to stop using the R word. You're not wrong. <sighs> yeah, I know. Well, that wraps this episode up. Thank you for listening. Uh, thanks and credits to Jacob Newfeld, who does the intro and outro music. If you'd like to hear more of his music, you can find the links to do so in the episode descriptions. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can do so via email, where we are lifeisunfairpod at gmail.com, or on Twitter, where we are unfair underscore podcast. And if you like the back banter, fuck. If you like the fuck? Listen, edit that out. No. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> I got tongue-tied there for no reason, for something <laughs> that I say a million times. Right? I hate it. <laughs> if you like the banter back and forth here and you want to join us live head on over to twitch.tv slash lpdeathray where we play video games talk to you guys and interact live on stream and I definitely never flub and make mistakes that's true never once yeah never once and we edit them always, all out fuck you <laughs> <laughs> wow how dare you say that to our audience Jake <laughs> And as always, remember, life is unfair. Mm -hmm.